Hello, and welcome to Control Escape, a podcast dedicated to showcasing the entire menu of top Africans in all areas of technology, with the aim of encouraging and motivating other Africans venturing into the growing landscape. Join me on this epic journey of discovery, adventure, and first-hand experience. Welcome listeners to episode four of the journey series on Control Escape. In today's episode, it's more or less like a reunion because I have someone who's been lost for like decades, almost two decades. We went to school together. Uh, he's in doing great stuff in technology. And thanks to the power of social media, I got a hold of him. And today, we're going to hear about his journey. This is your host, Samuel Adrani. And welcome to Control Escape Wonder. Yes, yes. You know, a lot of people have been asking me, where is Wanda? Where is Wanda? And I keep telling them, I know he's in the US somewhere, but I don't know where exactly he is. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's been long, too long. Anyways. I know. I know. So where where have you been hiding? Uh, the interesting thing, Tom, is that I haven't actually been hiding. <laughs> Basically being around, I actually in touch with a few of our colleagues. Uh, I meet some of them. So um, I think the, the, the apparent reason for which uh, many would think I've been in hiding is uh, my inactivity on social media. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But um, in, actual, in actual, I haven't been hiding. I, I'm in touch with a, a, a good number of them. Um, every once in a while, I meet some of them. We're talking. Yeah. Interesting. At least then I'm the one who was lost. <laughs> anyway, for those who don't know, tell us, who is Wanda Party? That, that, that's a very broad one. But, uh, I mean, to put it into the perspective of our discussion today, I am um, a very um, simple person, very open-minded. Um, um, the only uh, middle child uh, are my parents. I have four sisters, and I'm strategically placed in between them. So two older <laughs> sisters and two younger ones. I was born and raised in Accra, Ghana, uh, who did almost all my schooling in Accra until I uh, went to high school, where we met some <laughs> in <laughs> yes. the region, yeah. Yeah, but then, um, in the middle of that, I, 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 grew, I grew up at some point becoming a, a technology enthusiast and um, um, decided to uh, chart the course of um, technology, so that informed me. Uh, uh, into deciding to read computer science and then uh, moving on from that into uh, specializing in security. Uh, so in a nutshell, um, your average um, a carbon guy who um, is hardworking and is poised uh, to make the world a better place for other people, uh, sharing and um, sharing strongly in the belief that um, education and the generation of new knowledge are very fundamental to every free and uh, fair society. So uh, my, my, my life goal is to uh, constantly educate myself, and then through that uh, comes with the innate uh, responsibility to help others and then also leave a legacy uh, for uh, prosperity. Wow, that's very strong and very passionate. So I know that, I mean, back in school, when we were in high school, and for the benefit of our mm-hmm. listeners, we went to Koforidia Secondary Technical School. Uh, in the Eastern region. So when we were in school, I I didn't know you to be someone who was a technology enthusiast. Unlike me, where pretty much everybody in the school knew that, oh, computer man, computer guy. Everybody pretty much in the school knew that, as for Samala Drani, he's just a computer geek. I didn't see that for you. At what point did you have your first encounter with technology? And why? Why did you pursue it? So it, it's very interesting that you ask this question. Uh, the, the, the funny thing is that when you got in touch with me to invite me over onto your uh, podcast, uh, and then I did a little research and then read about the whole uh, rationale behind your pod- podcast, and I was like, wow, this actually uh, uh, ring, rings a bell right home for me. Because, uh, <laughs> interestingly, my the reason I actually gained uh, that much interest in technology was... Uh, you, uh, but in the, yeah, <laughs> you actually, like you said, in 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 Sectech, you were you were always in the computer lab. 
got very close, started working, doing a lot of work together mm. uh, when we were both uh, serving in the in student leadership. Yeah, I remember those times where I'll be beside you, like, hey, let's uh, design um, was it ID cards yeah, for ID cards perfect, for perfect. Yeah. that moment in my life. I would say the turning moment. That's when I started. Mm. I had always been a curious person. I had interest in computers and other things. But I think that that period of my life, uh, towards the end of our senior high school in, in Sectec, where we got a chance to sit together in the computer lab and then work on a lot of things. Obviously, you, you were mostly doing the design mm-hmm. stuff. I was actually telling a friend of mine some time back how... Um, I got introduced to um, Coral Draw. Yeah. That's for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for your graphics and stuff like that. So, I mean, my interest in computers uh, started then because I was marveled at how much um, you could do with a computer and the ease and fluidity with, with which you, you did it. So, after um, senior high school, I was actually supposed to um, study political science. Mm. I um, applied to the University of Ghana and everything, but then as fate will make it, I uh, found myself in the UK, mm. um, where um, upon consultation with other people who um, were far advanced, um, I, I got put on the path to study uh, computer science. So that led me to going my, my pursuit of um, political science, like going there humanities way and I'm uh, branching into computer science. Amazing. I mean, to be very honest, um, I am honored and privileged mm-hmm. to be part of your technology switch story and right. a, lit- a little backstory. So for our listeners, what happened in high school is that when we were almost getting to our third year, we had to uh, vie for positions in the school, preferential positions in the school. And funny enough, I actually... I wouldn't say I, I was on the bill with Wanda to stand for school prefect. So for those who don't know, that is how the story goes. But unfortunately, like you mentioned, I mean, things, I had a specific direction. Uh, I, I lost to him. I conceded peacefully. I mean, it was, it was fun. But then after that, we worked together because I was responsible for the prefectorial ID cards, school certificates, um, design stuff. So it was, it was an amazing time. And that, you know, takes us back. It, it's been almost two decades, if I'm correct. It has. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been long. Amazing, amazing story. So tell me, Wanda, throughout this whole process, what has been your, your challenges? I mean, once you decided to forgo political science and move into computers, what was the challenges for you? Well, I, I, I think for me, um, the challenges were um, in different forms. Mm-hmm. Um, very much remember the decision to leave the UK and then come, come to Ghana to school. Uh, that's when I enrolled in, uh, at uh, Regent University College of Science and Technology in Accra. Sometimes I get the question, why the decision to leave the UK and then go to school in, in Ghana? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. At, 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 at the time for me, it was, um, to, to just, um, dial this back a little. I was raised in a very humble family. My parents had, um, enough to make us comfortable. Uh, that that notwithstanding, there were times and there were times in our, uh, my life when um, it wasn't all um, roses. Uh, you, yeah. you go through the uh, regular challenges as a child growing up in Africa. So uh, for me, at the point when uh, I found myself in the UK, it was a decision to either stay in the UK and then pay uh, thousands of uh, pounds in fees to pursue a bachelor's degree, um, or uh, go go back to Ghana, enroll in this new university that had a promise of delivering the same um, level and standard of education as you would uh, get in in the West. So uh, that decision for me was one strategic uh, strategic, and uh, on, on the second hand, it was a, a result of my limited resources, especially uh, mm-hmm. financial resources, because at the time I I, I couldn't afford to pay for fees uh, as an international student in the UK. Okay. So what I, I, I did then was um, come to school um, in Ghana, and then whenever I was on holidays, I went to the UK. I worked, made money, and then came back and paid my fees and then took care of myself for the semester. So that's how I uh, basically went, went through uh, my, my whole uh, bachelor's uh, education. So um, some of the challenges were sometimes 
you 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 draw them. I remember back in the days, yeah, people the the start of that you always traveling abroad for vacation and stuff seemed to others who were uh, a little bit distant, um, like the the, the life. The, the, the desirable life to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, back in the, the university parlance, you were the bogger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, yeah, you you were the bogger, but uh, only those who were close to me knew that hey, I I had no choice but do that because if I stayed in Ghana to work, I wouldn't get enough money to pay for my fees. So I had to travel the UK and um, thankfully uh, the difference between the city and the town at that time was favorable to me so mm-hmm. uh, the little I got for working um, over the holidays was enough to uh, come back home, pay my fees, buy my supplies, pay my rent and other things and mm-hmm. then uh, go, to, go to school and while I was in school, um, right after the first year, based on the level of interest that I got in uh, technology, I would uh, be taking up contracts Mm. Um, designing websites for people and then making money on the side. So um, it seemed uh, as though it was pretty smooth, but uh, there were challenges, financial challenges. There were times when you needed some resources to uh, give you better a better understanding um, mm. on, on the course you, you're taking, but the resources just weren't available. I mean, we're talking early 2000s in, in Accra. Yeah. Internet wasn't that great um, in terms of speed. It will take you minutes, if not hours, to download a 10 megabyte, uh, megabyte file and, and, and stuff like that. All of those were uh, uh, challenges that uh, I, I faced together with um, other students who, who I studied with. Uh, but in the midst of all of those, we, we persevered. And, and, and now, uh, at, at this point, I'm happy to say that all my... Um, with whom I, I, I did computer science, are all in like very good places in, in their career. Wow, that's that's a that's a very uh, really interesting story and a really strong strategy that you used because you went to UK to study, yeah, sorry, to work. You made money. Exchange rate was you know helpful, and then you come down you know to pay your fees and all that. And and like you said, you're right. Most people think when you travel a lot, you know, if you keep going and coming, they're like, this guy is living some flashy life. But the secret or the truth behind this is that we're working, uh, you know, working hard to get money to pay for our future endeavors. That's amazing. So can you briefly tell us your your job history? Uh, we'll be interested in your first technology gig you got all the way to your current, you know, role and what you do in your current position. So um, the first the first job I did, I think, um, like I mentioned earlier, right after the first year in in college, I I took um, the internet and the World Wide Web uh, course. It was in the first 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 year of college, and that's where that's when I said I did, I designed my first website, learning HTML. So for for me, it was it was it was an interesting experience because I I had also taken like programming in C. The challenge with C for me was that uh, we didn't even have a compiler at the time to compile our code. <laughs> we wrote our code on paper and then our uh, professor would go through and then mark the, the code you had on paper. For me, it was difficult because um, I'm, I'm a visual learner. I, I, I want to realize that, I, I want to see that what I'm doing yields results. So uh, the course in um, Internet and the World Wide Web afforded me that opportunity because I only needed a, a notepad to write I mean, to write HTML code at a time. And um, I could see the effect of the code I was writing. So it was interesting. It was interesting for me. It took a lot of my time. I invested a lot of time into learning more than we were taught in class. So um, I did my project at the end of the semester, turned it in. Obviously, I got an, uh, an A for that. But I didn't stop there. That, that's the one thing. I, I didn't stop at the point where I was done with the course and I had passed. I realized that that was a tool that I could use to uh, better advance myself. So I take that web design. I would, I would then go on to uh, W3 schools and other free online resources to learn more about 
building websites that learn more about CSS, JavaScript, and other advanced HTML stuff. And I, I carried it throughout my time in college. I, I never stopped. So I remember the first gig I got was I went back, I went to the UK one holidays and then a friend a, a friend of my uh, my 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 brother-in-law who lives in the UK who has um, he has a charity a charity organization he needed a website mm. and um, my brother-in-law introduced me to him and I designed a website for him he was happy about it so I I got paid for it and he would also tell others and those were like the first. Uh, I got, and I was being paid for develop, designing websites for different people. So I would come back to uh, Ghana, and even in school, I would uh, design websites for people. And then I went further ahead, advancing from just building websites to getting into web applications, which would eventually be the underlying um, concept for my uh, final year project. So I built, I remember I built a registration system, a student registration a system for the university as my final year project. So it all started as, uh, from writing HTML, HTML code, um, designing websites for um, a few clients, and then um, uh, it, it, it advanced to, I, I, I remember one uh, a friend of mine who was in the same college, um, his, his his brother and then a cousin of his were about to start a new financial institution in Ghana. And uh, because we had worked together over the years, um, also in student leadership, he knew um, my skills. So he recommended me, uh, my services to his, his team at the time. Um, and I built their website. Um, so after I built the website, I continued to support them. And eventually by my second, third year, they decided to keep me as a consultant. And at that point, I did more than just the website for them. I pretty much provided all their IT solutions from uh, create, uh, building the whole network in, in their office location to um, deploying web applications for different operational uh, processes that they had to I mean, everything I see that you, could, you can think about. So that was sometime in 2007, where they, they, they took me on as an infrastructure consultant. Um, I worked with them for years, and um, I think in the process, I, 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 got my, I, got, I got a call from the Central Bank of Ghana. I don't know how my resume got, got there, but <laughs> I got a call. And <laughs> someone asked, hey, we have your resume. Uh, we just need your date of death. I was like... Who, who's this? They're like calling from the central bank, yada, yada, yada. So I give them, and then I got another call, went for an interview. I still do the interview, and then um, I got hired as um, an IT officer for the Bank of Ghana. I was uh, initially assigned to the banking provision department um, as an IT audit, uh, IT examiner, and then um, also resulting from my love for the web technologies, I helped a few of my colleagues put, put up a, a portal for our department. And then that led me into being introduced to the head of the director of technology in the bank, who um, first got me on loan to the IT department to uh, complete a, the whole bank's website project, and then eventually uh, was uh, moved on to become the webmaster of the bank. So that was... Um, sometime in 2000, between 2010 and 2012. And then I moved uh, to, the, to the U.S. Um, for that. Um, I moved to Delaware, worked for a company in um, Newark, Delaware, as a, a technical support um, rep uh, for a few months. And then I got, I got a job in Pennsylvania for a trading company um, where I was hired as a technologist. And then from the, I worked there for close to five years, and then after that, I, I moved on to my current role at the uh, Federal Reserve as um, senior application uh, security risk analyst. So it 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 uh, I I do remember that so throughout my career, I would go to interviews, and people were amazed at the fact that I had a very um, wide wide range of experience. 
But they see here I did networking, they see here I did application development, they see here I did that, I did IT already. They're like, what, what in the world haven't you done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So sometimes they, yeah, they, they got very amazed. But uh, the one thing for me is that right from third year in college, when I took my cybersecurity course, I knew security was the path that I wanted to take mm. because of the inspiration I got from my lecturer then. So that was when I started planning on um, doing, uh, getting into security. So when I moved to the U.S., I did my master's in information security and assurance. Okay. So that's when I actually went straight onto the path to do um, cybersecurity work. And uh, it also helped that I did IT examination or IT audit at the Central Bank of Ghana because mm. it kind of is aligned in terms of looking at IT governance and other things. It's all aligned to risk management and uh, cybersecurity. Wow. So that's uh, how how I got to where I am now. Yeah. It looks like a lot of the people, a lot of the pieces, you know, fell together for you. You know, you worked, you started your own exactly. thing, website, you know, networking. Mm. You got into central bank. You had this banking and provision thing going. You know that lured you into you know security and so mm. in the quest of you know your your journey, I'm I'm curious mm. to know what actually inspired the move from Ghana to the U.S. Because one would say. You're working in the Central Bank of Ghana. I mean, things should have been okay. Right. So um, I, I, I have come to uh, see myself as someone who is um, never satisfied um, when I feel like I have reached the apex of whatever I am doing. For me, that was the motivating factor for leaving uh, the Central Bank. I've got into a point where my impact had been felt. I had done what I could do at the time. And uh, being, being someone who... Uh, believe in God and uh, being spiritual also. I believe that mm. God orders my steps uh, yeah. and, and determines where I go at, at every point in my life. So uh, for me, like I said, I had the interest to get into security and then do career in cyber security. So at the time when I left the central bank, the motivating factor was to do my master's. Mm. That's actually what, because like you said, I was working with this. I was working with a central bank. Yeah. What else could I ask for? For <laughs> me, when 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 I handed in my resignation at the central bank, a lot of the uh, a lot of my colleagues and even senior colleagues that I worked with were amazed. They are like, "Are you are you sure this is the right move you want to make?" Yeah. Uh, a lot of people want to work for the central bank. They don't get it, and you're here. Are you really sure? Or are you, you want to do this? They they would make references to people who had left. Um, and then gone abroad and uh, didn't really get life as we expected yeah. and uh, regretted the whole move and other things. But for me, um, it, it took a lot. It took a while to decide. But once I decided, I was convicted in the fact that it was the best decision to take at the time. Yeah. So I would say two factors: the, the fact that I got to a point that if the seeming feeling of satisfaction in doing what you do. And then also my quest to study, uh, advance myself in my career through um, pursuing my master's degree. So one would ask why the seeming feeling of satisfaction with what you do should be a factor to move on. And my short answer would be that when I realize I'm too comfortable where I am, that is a cue for me to either advance myself to get new challenges. Because mm. I'm, I'm a person who always wants to be challenged. Uh, and that that is how I see myself grow. So when I find myself in a place where the challenge that I thought to get isn't coming, it's a cue for me to either apply myself to get more challenges or just move on to newer things that will bring me uh, um, more challenges. And for me, I find that it helps me to uh, stay abreast with the industry, advance myself, learn more things. Because trust me, you never know everything. You never get to know everything. So for me, life in itself is a constant learning experience. So every opportunity for me to learn and advance myself and I know something new is always welcome. Yeah. Bottom line, don't get too comfortable. That's amazing. So you do not get too comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you move to the US, I know, you know, coming from, you know, an African culture what was, or let me say, what were the cultural changes you faced or you had when you moved to the U.S.? Some interesting thing you want to share with us. So I think uh, moving to the U.S., um, 
<laughs> and this is all. The, the, the one shock I got was how big the U.S. is and how difficult it was to move around from one place to the other, <laughs> especially if you live in a city or a town where uh, public transport is, isn't really, like, isn't widely available and you do not own a car. Um, for me, that was the, the main thing. And I think it was because of my experience living in the UK. In terms of the, uh, the cultural shock, it wasn't, it wasn't that profound because of my experience in the UK. Most traveling between Accra and London and other, other cities in the UK gave me that exposure um, outside of where I, 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 I was born and grew up. So coming to the U- U.S., in terms of the cultural change, it, it was more like very familiar. And also, uh, you would agree with me that growing up in Africa and watching a lot of movies that are produced in the U.S. gives you a, a fair exposure of the culture mm. in, in, in America. So mm. adding that to my uh, experience living in the U.K. was made the transition from Ghana to um, the, the U.S. fairly smooth. And... Um, also, one thing that helped was that I didn't just get up and then pack my pack my bag and then come. Mm-hmm. Before I eventually moved, I would come and try out. I'll travel here, visit, and then survey the terrain and for for a couple of years before I eventually moved. Mm-hmm. So I, I I believe that that helped in preparing me for the big move when the time came. I, I wouldn't say there was any significant uh, shock in terms of the cultural things. There were all, mostly all things that um, I expected. And, but granted, the few things would be that coming from a country that's um, a British colony and being, going through the whole British system and then coming to America, there's a difference in it. So sometimes you have to like um, learn how the Americans do their... Even the attitude was different. And uh, for me, it was advantageous on my part because I, I, I was coming from a place where there was lots of like constrictions and um, restrictions in terms of what you do, uh, what, what do you call it? You were very confined into like virtual boxes. When mm. you come to America, there's opportunity for you to grow. So that for me was an advantage because I'm like, oh yeah, now I'm here and you, you, you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. It, yeah. The system allows you to do that and gives you all you need to excel. So that, I say, was a plus for me. It, it worked, worked to my favor and then uh, guided me through uh, my journey right from when I first moved here until now. Great. So in your journey of, you know, getting into technology and all that, is there something you did, you know, some mistake you committed that you learned from and how did you resolve mm. that? It could be in life, it could so be I in think, technology, but that mm, one mistake. Right. For me, I, I, like I said earlier on, I believe that everything that happens in my life happens for a reason. And that has led me to believe that in life, you don't make mistakes. You, you have experiences and you learn from those experiences. Now, the difference would be that having the experience and not learning from it, then mm. it becomes a mistake. But I believe that when you have that experience and you learn from it, it's not a mistake. It's a learning opportunity for you to make yourself better. Um, I wouldn't be able to pinpoint one specific thing or, or mistake that I've, I've done in terms of technology. I mean, as a person, in your daily uh, work um, life, there are probably things that you do that weren't the right thing to do and then you have to correct them. Yes, those are part a few of them and those are like very specific to something I'm doing at work and then, oh, I, I just uh, messed up and then uh, realized it and then fixed it. But in terms of a major mistake, I, I think it, it's a good thing for me because I haven't uh, gotten to that point where I'll be like, oh, snap, I did this and um, I shouldn't have done it or I shouldn't have, uh, have made this move. I'm thankful to God that I haven't had that experience and hopefully wouldn't get to that point <laughs> because I'm not a person to uh, react in hate or do, do things out of spite. I'm very thoughtful in my dealings. So before I make a move, I make sure I think thoroughly about it and then um, seek counsel when you need because there's this proverb that will be familiar with it. The, the uh, knowledge is like the baobab tree. No yeah. one person can embrace it. So that has been one of the principles that I lead by uh, in the sense that no one person can claim to know all and be all. And knowing that, I'm always humble enough to go to people who I believe know more than I do or have the experiences that I do not have and seek counsel from them and then hear their, their, their point of view before 
I even uh, make a decision. The tricky part is knowing the right people to, to talk to and then seek counsel from. Thankfully, I have very good people in my life who we've crossed, I've crossed paths with, who are very, very good people that I could always go to and then seek counsel and I get very good counsel. That's that's amazing. So what would you say then your, your strengths and weaknesses are? And how do you deal with them? So I think my strengths um, lie in the values that were instilled in me growing up as a child in Ghana. Uh, very early in my life, my grandma took care of me at some point. My aunt uh, also raised me at some point, and then my mom also. So, and you know, coming from Ghana, a, a child isn't raised by just their parents. It's a community that raises a child. In yeah. the sense that even in a neighborhood, when I was growing up very young, if my, my, my mom wasn't around or my grandmother wasn't around, they had gone to work and I, I, I did something bad in the, in the afternoon, in their absence. And someone in the community saw me. They would reprimand me mm. and even tell them when they came back. And those, I, I believe that all of those things, when we were kids, we, we, we saw those to be um, against us. But growing up, I've come to realize that those were very helpful for us as children growing up. It helped us um, learn a lot of discipline. It instilled a lot of values into us. That shaped the course of our lives as it is now. For me, ha having a father who was in the military, my interest in the military and then other things. You remember that in Spectek, I was, um, although I was school prefect, I was also in the uh, school cadet. Yeah. Uh, you, you also were. In the yeah. cadet. <laughs> in fact, recently, I saw a, a picture of us that was taken during our graduation. Yeah, graduation. Yes, yes, yes. 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 And both you and I were in the Air Force mm -hmm. um, uniform. So I think for me, military and the regimented nature of things they do taught me discipline. Um, the community within which I grew up, uh, right from childhood until I grew, taught me values that have shaped my life. The one thing I'll say is my weakness mm. is that sometimes it's very difficult for me to say no to people. And uh, because of that, there's a tendency for people to take advantage of you. I have a very big heart. I always want to help people. So it's sometimes difficult. I would go out of my way to help people. And I found myself being on the rather not uh, pleasant uh, side of the point mm. in certain situations where you are taken uh, for granted. But for me, I don't think that is enough uh, for me to stop being um, a nice person and stop having the willingness to help people. Um, I, I think that the one way I've learned to deal with it is to be more cautious and try to not look at things on the surface. Try to look beyond what is presented, just to know the real intent of people uh, before I go out of my way for them. That would be something that I see as a weakness, and that's how I um, strategized or approached uh, dealing with that weakness. And in terms of the strengths that I've told you, punctuality has been a key aspect of my success as, uh, in, in my career. Attention to detail has, has been one, one of such things. Um, being humble and respectful has helped me a lot and has brought me where I am now. No matter what I know, I always present it in a, in a humble way. And then I have realized that the people who are on the other side have admired about me because they know that I know what I'm doing, and yet I do it in a humble way. And for them, it's something they admire a lot. You don't find a lot of people doing that. A lot of people seem to be cocky and uh, go show off in terms of what they know and what they can do and other things. But I do not I do not do that. I believe that there's always an opportunity for me to learn. And the only way for you to learn is to humble yourself and learn from others. Oh, that's strong words coming from you, Wanda. So <laughs> I know that you are you've been very passionate about student leadership, you know, all the way from high school, moving into college. And even at some point of your life, aspiring to be a political scientist, do you see yourself, if given the opportunity to go back, you know, would you pursue political science or would you do technology all over again? Or what would you do differently? Oh, I, I don't think I, I would I would overthink this. Uh, if I were to go back, I would, I would take the same path that I, that, that I took. If I were to go back, I wouldn't have done political science. I still would have um, pursued technology. Well, the thing is that the the when when I in everything that I do, 
I don't think about the immediate the, the immediate effect or the immediate gain. And that is one thing that I realized growing up in Ghana. A lot of the youth back home seem to be more interested in the immediate comfort they get out of what they do rather than the uh, the long-term effects or long-term long-term benefits. So for me, if I were to go back, I'll still choose technology. Knowing that technology is the future, it, and we know it's like in retrospect, when we were in high school, the things that we didn't think were possible are now possible today. And in the same way, things that we don't think are possible might be possible in the next 5 to 10, 15 years. So for me, and technology is taking over everything. So for me, charting the task of technology, I believe, was uh, a divine call. And if I had the opportunity to do it again, I'll do it the same way. I'll still pursue uh, technology. <laughs> that's that's a lot of impact technology has had in your life. So <laughs> with, definitely. Yeah. So with with all this, you know, a whole like you mentioned, technology keeps evolving, it keeps changing. And you mentioned that you you are one person who continues to educate educate yourself. Tell me, what is your approach for learning new stuff? How do you go about it? I'm a very curious person. If I hear about something that I never know about, I research it. Um, if you ask me something today that I do not know, you would ask me the same thing the next time you see me, and I'll demonstrate mastery of, of it. My approach is always to research. Now it's easy. Like back in school, you, if you remember, when we were in school, if you needed to get information, you had to go look for a book and then read and sit through pages and pages. Now it's even easier. Right in the palm of our hands, we have our smartphone, and you can Google pretty much anything and you find you find answers so for me i always say when i'm asked what my hobbies are one of the things that i mention is like doing research just mm. being online and then researching things because i'm always hungry for knowledge i want to know more because the school i went to before high school i think our motto the, the school's motto was knowledge is power mm. and it is true those who have knowledge are those who have power in the world so I am in constant pursuit of knowledge, and um, I, I always want to know. So I use every resource available to me. Most of the time, it's me going online. And um, in specific to my career, um, I find, like, a lot of um, even videos. You go on YouTube, you can find videos of uh, a lot of valuable videos where people who know something just make videos to educate the other people. And that's the whole essence of Technology, sharing knowledge. You mm. go on. Um, I, I use Coursera, uh, what's, uh, Coursera a lot. Cybrary um, is one of the uh, uh, places I go and then read. Uh, thankfully, at my job, we have a wide range of resources available to learn pretty much whatever you want. So for me, when I'm in doubt, I just hop onto the internet and I find my way. Oh, wow. So you mentioned that um, research is one of your hobbies. What are some of you, what are some of the other activities you do to distress aside technology? So aside, when, when, whenever I'm not doing anything technology related, I, I enjoy swimming, especially in the summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. to me or when I go on vacation. But for the most part, it's interesting. You find me just uh, watching a TV show or like a movie. And my interest, the, the genres that I watch, uh, those that um, expose me to the world that I've never been in. I watch a lot of shows that deal with the medical field, shows like um, The Good Doctor, The Resident, Code Black. Mm. Uh, I enjoy those shows because they ex- expose me to a field that I am not really familiar with. And as fictitious as they may be, whenever you watch those shows, every episode teaches you something about the, that field that you never knew about. Mm. So for me, even in my leisure, I find a way to gain knowledge. So when I'm not doing anything, I just probably stay home, uh, turn on my TV, and then catch up on shows and watch some uh, movies. Um, I, I would, uh, every once in a while, hang out with friends to socialize, uh, just so I'm not the, the kind of person who's always locked up in, <laughs> in their room yeah. and not sociable. I, I believe that social interaction is very, is also very important. So. Um, I do that whenever I get a chance. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on the good doctor, yeah. and you know, New Amsterdam, yeah. 
I, I do that myself, yeah. you know. It's amazing what yeah. you learn from just watching this, you know, scientific exactly. medical yeah. things. They're really, you know, yeah. really amazing. I know, okay, that you are into martial arts. Some, yeah. some I don't know, but I know that. Can you tell us, and for the benefit of my listeners, can you tell us that one thing that most people don't know you for? Because I know you do martial arts, but I believe there's something else that we all don't know. That is going to be like a discovery the first time on the show. I really want to know that. Uh, I, I used to do martial arts when, when I was young. Like in high school, you, I, I know that's how you remember. And stuff. But interestingly, after high school and going to college and stuff, I kind of uh, dropped it because sometimes the focus goes also. But for now, I think um, I, 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 I am more into like working out. I go to the gym five days a week. Um, try to most of the most of the time. Um, uh, try to have a good blend of um, weight and um, cardio. I, I have gotten to a point of my life where I, I believe, and it's a mantra that um, uh, health uh, health is wealth, and fitness should be a lifestyle. It's not a, a goal or, or something. Because when you set goals, you achieve them, and then once you achieve them, what else? But I've adopted fitness as a lifestyle because, hey, in, in, in this current um, age and uh, day and age where even the food we eat, everything we do is detrimental to our health one way or the other. Even going to work and sitting down uh, for eight hours behind a computer, staring on, on the computer screen and all of those things, they're all things that make you very stationary and it's important to, for you to incorporate health in, into your life. So for me, I... I now we we'll do those who probably uh, follow me on um, other social media platforms would see that. Especially about a year ago, I used to like post daily pictures of me in the gym. I stopped doing it. I stopped posting the pictures, but I still go to the gym every day, Monday to Friday. Um, I, I go to the gym and then I work out. So that would be probably something that a lot of people who um, aren't uh, that as close as they are or have, have haven't the opportunity to like reconnect in a long time wouldn't would, would. and I, I I also believe that that wouldn't be too uh, strange to them because remember back in the tech would go we were both in the cadet mm-hmm. we, we were very active we go to the hockey pitch uh, yep. run laps and do all sorts of things so yeah I, I, I think it's uh, apart from that uh, I, the, the, I don't think there's something specific that People will be surprised to learn um, that I'm into at this time. Uh, nothing directly comes to mind. Comes to mind. I, I, yeah. I think of myself as an open book. But <laughs> that notwithstanding, I, I'm also a very private person. So um, it takes people to get closer to me to know uh, know the real me. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us, some of us have been privileged, you know, to know you that that close. Exactly. Yeah. Let, let's yeah. bring it home yeah. now. Let's bring it home. So, mm. do you have plans on going back to Africa, and why? Well, I think it's uh, for 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 us people like you and I. We it's, it's a responsibility for us to do that. Um, then then come back the question as to going going back in what capacity? Is it like relocating uh, permanently or whatever? Uh, for for me at this point in my life. That distinction hasn't been decided yet, but I do know that I, I, I used to go back home every year since I moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I haven't been able to go uh, since 2015 when I last went for my dad's uh, funeral. Uh, the, the the whole experience of going home to bury your dad, yeah. having seen him two days in Ghana and then um, him passing upon your return to the U.S. Uh, I believe took an um, indirect toll of me, and I, I hadn't had the desire to go back. Go back. Starting from last year, I was um, I, the desire to go back in, in again. I, I'm going to I'm going back to Ghana this year to visit. So for me, that's the first step. Mm. Going on a regular basis to to learn what is going on because Africa is advancing rather quickly, mm. and um, I feel like for those of those of us who are fortunate to be. Um, in the West, in the U.S., in, uh, in Europe, and other places, Asia, um, have a responsibility to bring back what we learn home, to teach uh, people, to ex- uh, expose people to other things. Because the one thing that I find, which for me is sad, 
although the world has, has now become a global village uh, with the advent of the internet and social media and everything, when you look back in uh, Africa, there's a tendency for uh, folks to pick up on the uh, on, 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 on the not so good things that they are exposed to on social media in the West. They tend to be fascinated by the, the glitz and the glamour. But for me, I, I believe that all those things will come when you put your house in order. That is one thing that I, I have the desire of doing, putting our house in order. It so saddens my heart when I read the news back home and things in the news about the corrupt leaders and people just uh, uh, paying people to vote for them and all of those things. I mean, we it's, in the 21st century, 2019, a lot of these things have to change. And I believe that it starts from us. And uh, that's not to say that there aren't people back home who are also uh, conscious of these things. They are. So I, I think that it's a matter of us working hand-in-hand, hand, working in harmony, having that synergy between like-minded people bring about change. I believe I was uh, sometime in college. I uh, listened to someone give a, a speech, and they said something that stuck with me uh, from them. They said it takes 12% of the population to bring about change. And I believe he's a theologian, and I believe he likened it to Jesus having 12 disciples who propagate the, the gospel when he left. So, and when you look at it, even in the biblical uh, perspective and even in the secular perspective, it makes a lot of uh, uh, sense. So, judging by that, we realize that it doesn't take a lot of people to change Ghana. Mm. It doesn't take a lot of people to change Africa. Mm. It takes, like you said, 12% of the population. Okay, so if you have very few like-minded people who all are willing to work towards achieving the same goals, it is possible to transform our country. It's possible to transform the, the continent. Because no matter what, that is our, our heritage. Yeah. We can never run from it. Yeah. No matter yeah. how long we, we both live in the U.S. or live in Asia or wherever, there's always a place we'll call home. And would always go back there. So we have a responsibility. Everyone might have their own way of making this thing work, but I believe that it starts with making the conscious effort to 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 do something to impact change uh, back home. Wow. Well, you you spoken it all for me. I share the same sentiment. So, um, in in drawing the curtains, what would be your advice mm. to young ones venturing into technology? I think um, the, uh, it's something I've already uh, mentioned, but the, the one thing that I believe worked for me is that I was always humble. I always looked at the, uh, the, the long term and never the short term. Um, I, I always applied myself diligently to whatever I did, and that's what has brought me here. There's, there's a tendency for young folks back home always to want to just make money quick and then just move on. Uh, you see people just, I, Charlie, I just won't hit. I won't hit and then, but the, the same way you hit is the same way you're going to lose it. Mm. I, I believe it's time for us to cultivate a sustainable wealth. And that doesn't come by hitting. It comes by you working and making a conscious effort to create the wealth, to maintain it, and then to pass it on to generations unborn. And that is uh, the, the one thing that I'll, I'll say to you. Something life is not a race, and whatever you do today determines what where you'll be tomorrow. Mm. So, in all that they do, as young the, the, uh, young brothers and sisters back home, never never take the shortcut. Work hard, and know that even if you work hard and the the, the results are not uh, evident when you're working, you're working hard for the results that we're going to have in the future. And that's one thing that sometimes people tend to lose sight of. People tend to get discouraged because hey, I've, I've, I've been in technology for uh, two years, five years. I know the seats off. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not getting a job. All of those things. Trust me, when I finished my, my bachelor, I was one of few, the few computer science students who were retained by the university to do our national service. And the irony of it is that a lot of our colleagues who were in the same class, got jobs at banks and other things. They were making big money. They invested in offers as much because we're in academia. That, that wasn't a deterrent for us, but specifically for me. I thought of the end goal, like, just take it as me paying my dues. And eventually when the time and the opportunity came, 
I got I got the opportunity to work for the central bank, which was the mother of all the banks. Mm. So someone in my situation could have just given up at that point. But I never did. I was diligent in what I did. I was hardworking. I continued to advance my knowledge, learn, and seek counsel from those who had gone before me. And in the end, it paid off. So my short advice is never stop advancing yourself. Every opportunity you get to learn, take it. Sometimes don't think about the money you're getting today. Think about how what you're doing today is going to put you in a better place tomorrow. Yeah. It's amazing talking to you, Wanda. And before we let you go, as we do always on the podcast, we always ask you one question, which is debatable, but we just want to know your opinion of it. We're going to continue that discussion on the social media. And today, the question would be, do you think technology can help fight corruption in Africa? What's your take? Oh, um, that's, that's a no-brainer. For me, my opinion is a big part here. Technology <laughs> can help fight corruption in Africa. No, no doubt about it. Because, and uh, I might be biased in terms of where I, I am in technology, working in cybersecurity. I mean, there's nothing in this world that you can hide. So if we, we are able to transition from our archaic um, paper, uh, uh, paper record, record keeping, that, allow, that introduces the loopholes for people to uh, make wealth off of innocent people to a point where we have systems in place to process everything that is done and has means of ensuring accountability. A lot of the corrupt practices that we see and hear of in Ghana would, would be eradicated. That's not to say it, there still won't be corruption, but then a lot of it will be eradicated. And the remaining will be something that we'll be able to manage. So my, my, my simple answer is yes, technology can help get uh, corruption in Africa. Well, folks, thank you for listening to episode four of the Journey series. And we have been talking to Wanda Paddy. And he is currently a senior application security risk analyst at the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. Well, if you like the show, like we always say, get in touch with us. You can check, out, check us out on the website, podcast.esadranyu.me. You can also send me an email at hello at esadranyu.me. And remember... Knowledge is like a baobab tree. No one person can embrace it. As our guest said, seek counsel, share your knowledge, and be humble to admit to what you don't know. Until next Friday, this is Control Escape. Wanda, thank you very much for sharing your journey with us. Thank you very much for having me, Sam. It's been an absolute pleasure being on your show today. Hopefully, we'll do this again sometime. Definitely. I look forward to it. Maybe at that, at that point, you'd be... Uh, the, the, the president's um, lead council or something. We have bigger <laughs> things to talk about. <laughs> Thank you again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always a pleasure.